Thank you for joining us for the Lessons from First Naz podcast. Uh, it's Advent season. We started talking about that last week. Advent season is this, wor- this word that means arrival. And so whatever it is that the church is doing between now and Christmas each year, we are uh, celebrating the fact that Jesus showed up once, and we're waiting in this weird anticipation of this promise that he gave us that seems, frankly, impossible that he is going to come back to this world for us. Now, if that seems impossible to you, please keep in mind that it's equally ludicrous to believe that God became a human, a little bitty baby one, showed up in some weird barn-like setting, then became the most prominent religious figure of his day who refused any uh, kind of political power or aspirations and died like a criminal. That's, that's a ridiculous story that, uh, that happens to be um, true, and so Christians bet on it. We're betting our lives on it. We're betting eternity on it. And we are betting as well on this promise that he made us that just as he came in ridiculous fashion one time before, he'll be coming back for us one day soon. And in between, we are believing and we are celebrating what has happened and what is to come. So understand that when you come here from one Sunday to the next, is isn't just, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, Christmas is coming. It's, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, Jesus is coming. Yeah, and so we are excited about this whole, this, this tension while we wait. Uh, and while we wait, we learned last week that it's possible for us to have peace with God. Instead of waiting in that tension and having all of the tension, we get to wait in that, that time in between and live the life where you really can just breathe deeply in the presence of God and not have to worry about what he thinks about you or what he, what he feels about you or whether he's disappointed in you. If you want to learn some more about that and didn't get a chance to hear the message last week, just pop over to my Facebook page and, you know, spin, uh, just flip back there the way you can. Uh, or you can go to firstnaz.com. You can click on the, um, I don't know what, media page, and you can, you can listen to it that way. There's also a downloadable, uh, there's a download button right there. If you don't want to sit and watch the video, you can download the audio, listen to it like a podcast on your phone. You can even subscribe to the Lessons from First Naz podcast. There, that's enough about all of that. But ways for you to connect with the message last week. If at this point today, you are not currently experiencing peace with God. Today, I want to talk about an incredible, incredible opportunity for people of faith. It is possible for us, indeed, it is supposed to be the norm for us to have peace with our pasts. You can actually have peace with your past. My past is a little bit messy, and it's messy because of me and other people. I've made a number of decisions in my life that I regret. Some of those have caused me sorrow and pain. Some of those have caused other people sorrow and pain. Some of those decisions that I made were just foolish. Some of them were made in ignorance, and I found out later a better way to live. But my life is made up of this, this, this mixture of some good things that I've done. I look back over my shoulder, and I see, you know, it's been a pretty good life, and and some, some great things have happened to me, and I've made some, some good decisions. One of them was to accept your invitation to come be your pastor. That's changed my life in fantastic ways. But I, thank you. But I have, uh, thank you. But I have also, um, really, thank you. That feels good this morning. Um, but I've also made some decisions that I regret. 
And so, hmm, life its kind of piled up on me. The truth is that other people have made some decisions, as I look back over my shoulder, that have blessed me incredibly, but people have also made some decisions that have hurt me deeply. As soon as I say that, some of you feel the emotions in your chest spiraling downward. Because so far today, you were having a good day. You haven't thought about that whatever that happened to you in your past. But as soon as I mentioned that there was a thing or more in my past that other people did that hurt me, it flipped that trigger, that switch in your life, and and you're feeling it right now. Your pulse has gone up. Your blood pressure has gone up. And your joy has gone down. Because when you live in this messy world with people who are as broken as you and me, and, and some more broken... They're going to ding us once in a while, aren't they? I mean, people can be trying to make good decisions that still end up hurting us and wounding us. And if only that was what we had to deal with, that'd be great. But the truth is there are people who intentionally make decisions aimed at hurting and wounding us. And some people are really, really good at it. And some of us, for some reason, seem to be surrounded by extraordinary numbers of those people And so the hurts and the wounds and the bruises and the scars have piled up on us over the course of our lives. Our lives consist of the decisions we've made and the decisions that other people made and how they have affected us. And then all of those thoughts and those feelings that just kind of swirl around all of that. And unless there comes a point in your life where, where something happens to you or you choose something that makes all of that cloud quit doing this, It'll just keep doing this in the background. You don't have to try. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to kick start it in the morning. It'll just do this all through the night, all through every conversation that you have, all through your busyness. And in those moments when you stop for a second, it kicks into high gear and it makes you sneak off to wherever you go when you go to hide from the hurt that has piled up on you from your past. See, we're broken. And the truth is that when we look back at our lives and we see the things that we have done that we regret, um, the Bible has a word for that. The word for that is sin. And when we look back at our own brokenness that takes the form of sin, usually the feelings that we get when we remember that, when we think about it, are feelings of guilt and shame. And whenever we think about the things that other people have done that that have damaged us, we start feeling things like sadness and anger. Some of us, have been so familiar with sadness and anger for years and years and years that we finally just decided we didn't want to feel those things anymore and we we jumped off the edge into despair. I'm not going to feel those things, but I'm not going to hope that it's ever going to get any better either. Friends, if you spend the rest of your lifetime drinking in the sorrow, the sadness, and the guilt of your past decisions, along with the hurt and the sorrow and the anger and the despair that sometimes accompanies those memories of the things that other people have done to you, it is going to poison your soul. It's going to poison your every single day. And I'm here to tell you today that you don't have to let your past poison your present or your future. But if you choose to hang on to those things, all those negative things, the strangest unraveling is going to take place in your life. You see, you were built to become like God. 
there's something deep inside every human being that is God-like. You're not a God. You're never going to become one. But you can become like the God of heaven and earth, the God who ultimately, in an ultimate sense, created everything, and when it comes to human beings, made us like him. He said, in the very core of who you are, no matter how messed up or broken you may feel, no matter how damaged, wounded, or less than others have told you you are, you are like me, God says. And there's something in you that never lets go of that hope that you can become like him. But if you continue to drink the cocktail of bitterness, of sorrow, of anger, of hurt, of guilt and shame and despair, you're never going to become like God. And the truth is, you won't even become like a good human. You know, somebody who just tries real hard to be good. There's one other, one other thing that we sometimes kind of trip on. Before we, we start walking down the path toward peace with our past, I think there's, there's one other hazard in our pasts that we all have to, I think we had better just deal with this morning, and it's this. There are some things in our pasts that have caused us great sorrow and pain that we didn't choose or do, and that when we look around, we can't find any, any other human being to blame either. And we either just go, huh, random world, or we look at God and we blame him. I suppose this is the point where some version of a good pastor should say, oh, you, you don't, don't blame God. And I'm not going to be that guy this morning. Uh, contrary to bumper stickers and contrary to gospel songs that I sang as a child, I've, I've been disappointed with God at times. God has disappointed me. Anybody else? Yeah. I mean, there's just been some times that I, I knew exactly what, what I wanted God to do, and he didn't do it. There have been times when I could see something coming, and, and it would just be better if it didn't come. And God didn't stop it. I mean, i got to tell you, sitting here four and a half years after my little sister died, I sat at her bedside for 10 days asking him, please don't, there's no... I don't care what his reason is, really. There just doesn't seem to be any good reason for a 43-year-old woman with an 11-month-old child to die. I, I mean, whatever that reason is, I, I think I've got a bunch of better ones for why a person ought to stay alive long enough to raise their kids. And I, I argued with God about that for 10 days. I sat at the foot of her bed writing my Easter sermon about the hope of the resurrection, thinking this better be true because I was watching her slip away. And on Good Friday, the day that we, quote, celebrate that Jesus died for us, my little sister died. But Jesus' death seemed to accomplish great good, and Hillary's didn't. And I was very disappointed. And the truth is, as you can tell, I am not done crying over that. See, my friend Dina sitting over there. She still shed some tears over the loss of another 43-year-old, her husband. And you all can tell the stories that break your heart as well. And while we have 
have done our best to try to retrieve some good from them, to kind of go all silver linings or, or, or glass half full on the tragedies in this life. The truth is they have hurt us. And as we look backward, if I can't blame them on anybody else and there is a great and almighty God, then I have something to talk with him about. With, really, all due respect, he's a big boy. He can handle my complaints. And so I bring some to him. If you've got a past that's messy like that with some things that you, I don't know, hope are random rather than God chose or allowed it, if you've got a past where people have taken it out on you, if you've got a past where people didn't quite notice you enough and, and they unintentionally banged you up pretty good, if, if you've got a past where you're honest with yourself and you have a lot of decisions that you've made that cause you some regret, you may be a person who does not have peace with their past. And that's why this morning, as much as I have shed tears, as I've thought about what my life's like in the past, I'm here today to tell you with excitement that you can have peace with your past. You may still have some sorrows associated with it, but you can have peace with your past where the load of guilt and the load of shame and the load of other people's wounds and disappointment with God are kind of tucked away and given to him, and he replaces them with something far better. Would you like to know how to get there? If you're going to go anywhere, you got to know where you're starting and where you're headed. There's this old joke uh, told among musicians. You know how to get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice. Right? It's uh, um, practice, practice, practice is a way for musicians to probably not still get to Carnegie Hall. But if you want to get from Lewis and Idaho to Carnegie Hall, somebody's going to have to give you directions. You've got you to plot these things on the map. If you want to get somewhere, you've got to know where you want to go. And if you want to have peace with your past, then it's time for us to chart a course for it. But in order to get to that place, in order to know how to get to that place, you also have to know where you were starting, and that makes this path to peace with your past kind of a difficult one, because it's good where we want to go, and there's some waypoints in between where we experience more and more freedom from the uh of the past, but the place that we have to start is with acknowledging that at some level we are stuck in or caught up in the wounds of our past. Hey, friend, if you've just said, I'm not going to think about it, then you don't get peace. If you just say, ah, I'd rather not, then you get to be free from that in the moments that you just push it away. But every second that you're not actively managing it, the ug of the past is going to sneak back up on your soul. In the tradition that, that I was raised in, very conservative Christianity, some of you were raised in that too. We are taught that you've you got to be extra, extra something toward God, and for some reason it means less and less honest. Like you wouldn't dare admit that God disappointed you. It's also the case for some of us raised in that way that we have a really difficult time saying things like, wounds from 30, 40 years ago are still bothering me today, and I'm stuck, God, and caught up in all of that from the past. Hey, listen, friends, uh, whatever else First Naz is, it's a place where it's safe to be honest, okay? When you're mad at whatever, you can say it. 
when you're hurt by whatever, you can say it. And if that whatever is God, I trust, I, I promise you, he's big enough, strong enough, and loves you enough for you to air it out in his direction as long as you do it with the intent of I want to deal with this so that you and I can get closer, God, okay? We're not going to baptize the kinds of things that are just venting toward God because that's disrespectful. But if you want to draw closer to God, you can unload with both barrels when you're here. Amen? Isn't that the kind of place we want to be? Because if we're not honest with God, we ain't anything with God. We ain't with God. We're just putting miles between him and us if we don't get honest with him. This is a place where we can be honest with God. Amen? All right. The more of you believe that and said amen, I'm good with that. Okay? I went on a hike with Pastor Bill this summer, and it was fantastic. We hiked into Loon Lake in uh, the mountains of central Idaho, and that was just one of my... It was just one of the best days of my life, Bill. That was, uh, that was the day before quite good, too. But thank you for making that happen. That little loop up there in the corners, 14-some miles. A handful of you in the congregation have done this, too. And uh, there's, there's Bill and I um, smiling big. That must have been at the beginning of the hike, Bill. Because <laughs> that, that hike is not an easy one. And um, what I found out guided by the trail master over here, is that you don't get to wish for your destination and find yourself there. You actually have to cover the miles. You've got you to put on the pack, and you've got to walk the walk and cover the miles. And, and sometimes it's really hard to get where you want to go. And guess what? The path to peace with your past is not easy coasting downhill. Okay, just a little honesty this morning. As we get ready to walk this path, we are starting at a place that it's tough to admit that I might be stuck or caught up in my past. And frankly, the journey gets a little harder for a little while. First, first little uh, leg, next leg of the journey that we have to take is the business of seeking and accepting forgiveness from God. You see, that's tough. It's tough because I have to admit that I was wrong. Okay, all of you who find it real easy to admit that you're wrong, raise your hands. Two, two. Wow. You know, I'm tempted to say, um, give me some of that. that. You know how much easier it, it would, Laura's life would have been if I had just apologized a lot? I mean, that would have been great. If I'd, if I'd gotten there really quick when, when I was wrong toward her, if I'd just been real quick to say, oh, man, I was... I was wrong. It would, it would have made her life and mine a whole lot easier. The truth is, human beings like to be right, and we resist being wrong. We resist admitting that we're wrong, and we resist letting other people know that we know that we're wrong. And so we develop this, this elaborate sense of um, or, or plan for how we will justify almost every single action. For almost everything you do, every day that you do things, you will have a list of reasons why you did it and why it was right. We, uh, we're at this first big uh, step on the journey as we jump off from the starting place. The starting place was difficult enough, right? It was uh, admitting that we're caught up in our past. But the next step on the journey is acknowledging um, that we have done some wrong things that have hurt us and have hurt others and that uh, are offensive to a God who is perfect and holy and loving. You see, uh, that's, a tough, that's a tough place, a tough step to take because most people 
Um, number one, have a problem with not being their own God. I mean, everybody really wants to be in charge of their own life, right? Be real with me. Everybody wants to be in charge of their own life, right? And, and, and coming to this awareness that there might be somebody who's more than me, somebody who's, who's more alive than me, someone who's stronger than me, somebody who knows more than me, someone who has greater abilities than me, somebody who's been alive longer than me and will be forever, somebody who's more aware than I am. That, that is... Uh, well, the more I talk about it, the, the less difficult it is to actually get around to admit, admitting that I'm not the God and that I may have done some things that were a disappointment to him, that were offensive to him. And um, we're at uh, step number two on the journey, Luke, so why don't you take us there? Here's the thing. If you are at all aware of your own wrongdoing, if you do not have a conversation with God, it is going to rob you of peace. No matter how long ago those things took place, you're going to find that all of the list of things that you know of that you have done that are wrong, they are going to haunt you and they are going to pile up on you. But the good news is there is a God who specializes in forgiveness and the scriptures teach us that he really, really takes delight in it. There's a scripture verse that Luke's going to put up on the screen next that I want you to take a look at. Romans chapter 2, verse 5 says, The requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences also bearing witness, and their thoughts sometimes accusing them and at other times defending them. Has that been your story? As you've looked back at the things in your past that you, that you know were flat out wrong, haven't there been times that you justified your own behavior? At some point, your conscience would accuse you, but then something else inside you goes, yeah, but, and you list off all the reasons that you ought to be able to feel better about it, but you can't put it to rest. And so year after year after year, you have alternated between feeling horrible about it and defending your own actions. You've been there? Because I have lived there before. But there is also uh, a, a scripture that teaches us a remedy to this. Jesus' best friend, John, wrote this. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And all means all. Yeah, there's a couple of power words in here that I really want you to get a hold of. The first one is forgive. This is, you know what forgiveness is, so I'm not going to explain it to you. I just want you to feel the weight of the word. This is a word that describes what God is willing to do if you will have a conversation with him. He is willing with full knowledge of how horrible or whatever those actions were that trouble you. If you will have a conversation with him, he will say, done, I forgive you. There's another power word in the sentence that's very important. It's, it's the word purify. Because not only is God going to say, ah, let's wipe, clean, let's wipe clean their record, let's forgive them, let's act like that never happened, but I also want to change the very nature of your heart and your spirit and your character so that you can be different from here forward. So not only am I going to expunge your record, I'm going to take that same sponge and I'm going to work it on your soul so that your conscience can be clean and your character can be new and you can live differently in the future than you did in the past. Power word. There's another power word in the sentence that you've got to get a hold of. Here's the first one. If. You see, forgiveness and cleansing, while they are immediately available, while they are guaranteed to us by God in abundant supply, they do not come automatically. 
They come if we approach God and honestly and humbly admit the nature of our brokenness. But once we do the if, feel the mathematical certainty of this. If, then statements. All you computer programmers, all you code people, I'm speaking your language. All you math teachers, I'm speaking your language. If, then. If we confess our sins, then God does the following things. He forgives and he purifies. Jesus' best friend, late in his life, wrote this letter to make sure that we understood that this was a possibility for us. First big uphill section of the journey on, on working our way toward peace with our past is, uh, is asking God for forgiveness. The next part of the trail, honestly, is steeper yet. As tough as it is for us to muster the courage, the humility, the whatever to admit to God, I'm, and, and, and I'm not gonna justify it anymore, God, it was wrong, 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 wrong. As hard as that is, it's harder yet to admit that to people, isn't it? Um, with, with no intended disrespect toward, um, toward our, our Catholic brothers and sisters in this valley, how many of you that are sitting in this sanctuary today wish that instead of talking to God about your sins, you could go sit, oh, once a week with another human being and tell them every rotten thing you've done, thought, imagined, or said? My guess is if you wanted to do that, you'd be over there this morning, right? We find it very difficult. And, and by the way, you don't even have to look the person in the eye in the confessional booth. And most of us still don't want to do it. The reality is it's, it's, it's almost paralyzing for most of us to, to confess that we have done wrong to another human being. And it ups the ante and makes it more difficult yet if I have to go to the person that I did wrong and look them in the eye and experience what they are feeling and thinking as a result of my actions and admit my wrongdoing and ask for forgiveness. That's tough stuff. Some of you were taught how to do it as kids by parents who said, apologize to your brother. And you went, sorry. <laughs> Mission accomplished, right? Yeah. If you were with us on Wednesday night for the marriage class, we talked about this whole business of, of learning to make it right with people. Because as tough as it is, grinding out and sorry really doesn't fix anything relationship-wise, does it? No. Making it right with other people requires three steps. Here they are. The first one is admitting what you've done wrong. And by the way, a confession isn't, um, um, I admit, that uh, you're thin-skinned and took ridiculous offense at my innocent actions. That's not an apology. Uh, it's not an apology if you say, I'm sorry I hurt you, but da-da-da-da. That's saying you took it wrong. An apology is taking ownership of the fact that I hurt another person. Intentionally or unintentionally, it doesn't matter. An apology says, I recognize that what I have done has wounded you or offended you in some way, and I'm genuinely sorry for that. First step is a sincere apology. The second step in making it right with people is asking for forgiveness. Asking for forgiveness, not presuming upon it. 
It's an interesting thing. Whenever you have offended another person, there's, there's always a power dynamic in a relationship. And relationships work best if that power is, is more or less equal. And, and it, you know, it kind of has some, some seasonal back and forth to it. But whenever we say or do something that offends another person or hurts them deeply, the, the, the power balance in a relationship is disrupted, and somehow we have gathered all of the power in the relationship to ourselves and used it against the other person. And the other person feels wounded, and they also feel vulnerable in our presence. When we acknowledge that we have done wrong, it's, we, we, instead of holding on to the power, we've now got our hands behind it, And in the moment that we then ask for, we put ourselves in the position to be denied forgiveness by asking, will you please forgive me? We take that power and we push it back across the teeter-totter, back across the the fulcrum point in the lever to the other side of the relationship, to the other person where they now have power over us and can use it against us by saying, no, I'll never forgive you for what you've done. Almost always, there have been some exceptions in my life, almost always, when I've gone to the place where I have asked another person for forgiveness, they've found a way by the end of our conversation to say, either, yes, I have forgiven you, or with God's help, I will. Almost always, we'll go there. So we're at the place, we're at this place, we've, we've admitted that we've done wrong, We've, we've pushed the power that we used against the other person across the table to them where they can now use it against us. We've asked them to forgive us. Is that it? Are we done? No, there's a third step. It's really important. It's crucial. And it's found in the Old Testament law. And it can be found in your life if you'll put it to practice to be something that is essential in the business of restoring relationships when they've been wounded by us offending one another. And it's the offer of restitution. It's asking, is there anything I need to do to make it right? See, if I steal a loaf of bread from Jay and it offends him and I, and I go to him and I apologize and I ask him, will you please forgive me for stealing a loaf of bread? By the time I've gone that far, he's probably going to forgive me. And if I ask then, Jay, is there anything I need to do to make it right? He may want a sandwich this afternoon and it's completely a reasonable thing for him to say, yeah, you can you know, give me back my loaf of bread. Or buy me a new one. Uh, in the Old Testament law, where we learn this law of restitution, it's really uh, kind of not equal. They kind of, kind of offer this, this counterbalance to help take care of the previous pain by saying maybe a four-to-one ratio would work for some things and two-to-one for another. So, so how about if I stole Jay's loaf of bread? And, and wouldn't, wouldn't it just help him if, if afterwards we weren't quote-unquote even? I mean, honestly, just take care of his heart a little bit if he came out a little to the good on this thing and I gave him a couple loaves of bread. If he asked me for two loaves of bread, I wouldn't for a second blink if what I got from buying two loaves of bread was a brother back close to me. Doesn't that seem like a reasonable expense? Yeah. Most of the time, however, when we ask for restitution in a, a relationship that's been wounded by, by careless words or intentional words or, or neglect or those kinds of things, there isn't a good, that we, uh, some, some item that we can now purchase or surrender to give to the person. Most of the time, by the, by the time I've gone to the length of a sincere apology, owning that I was in the wrong, that I hurt you, and pushing the power across the table to you and asking you, will you please forgive me? By the time I get around to asking, is there anything else I need to do to make it right? 
most people have looked at me and went, I don't think so. I guess not. And here's what happens. You let the other person off the hook of offense. You just put enough slack in the line for that hook to fall out of their jaw and they no longer feel the ugh toward you when you have offered to make it right. Hey, friends, if you want to have peace with your past, you've got to make some peace with people you've offended in the past. I would encourage you to do something better than sorry. Quick Facebook message, smiley face. Once you go to a brother or a sister and, and, and listen to the offense and own it and ask them, will you please forgive me and offer to do whatever it takes to make it right, I would be willing to bet that 99% of you who try that will have a reconciled relationship on the back end of that conversation. First step on the journey was uh, acknowledging that we were stuck or caught up in the past. Second, seeking forgiveness from God. The, uh, the third was seeking forgiveness from other people. Hey, listen, here's why this is important. Not only is there a psychological element to this, if you know that you've wounded people, your own conscience is going to accuse you as long as you refuse to make it right. Secondly, there's this person who might also be held hostage by your wound. They're not having peace with their past because you haven't made it right. Um, if those things are not enough to, to push you down the path a little further to going and approaching them, understand this. Jesus himself addressed this issue of making things right with our fellow man. Look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. This is Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount when he's really kind of laying out for the people who will be his disciples, here's what it takes to be one of my followers. He said this, so if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, in other words, if you're doing God stuff, worshiping, being religious, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, and then come and offer your sacrifice to God. In other words, God is not interested in all of your praying for that person. He is not at all interested in you asking for forgiveness for all, that thing, all those things that you did in the past that you were not willing to make right with your brother or sister. He is not interested in you singing a song, giving an offering, or listening to a sermon. If there is some ought between you and your brother or sister, and you know it, he says, go make it right before you come back to me. That's not Jesus' strongest and most difficult teaching on the subject. Take a look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. We're still in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, he comes back to this issue, and he says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. If, then statement. In case you didn't get it, though, he states it negatively. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive you your sins. I have heard pastors say, God's forgiveness is unconditional. It is not. Jesus himself said, the Father's forgiveness of you and your sin is conditioned upon your willingness to do the same for others. Imagine, imagine the gall that it takes to say, God, I just want to be pure in your sight. Please forgive me and kick that scumbag 
one more time while he's down, that guy I offended back in the day. Imagine the gall of begging God for forgiveness and refusing to give it to other people. Listen, it doesn't make God a jerk to deny forgiveness to somebody who refuses to give it to anyone else. The forgiveness of God in your life, your ability to make peace with your past is conditioned upon your willingness to forgive other people. It's the hardest. That's harder than love your enemy, Jesus' other hard teaching. Hmm. There's this Bible theme. God loves forgiveness. He loves to forgive you, and he loves it when he sees when you offer it to other people. It's kind of his jam, people. Forgiveness is God's jam, okay? It's what he does. It's what he does all day long. If you ask him what he wants to do in the afternoon, I want to forgive. I want to watch other people forgive. And when people stalwartly refuse, God has a bad afternoon. And God says, it will become a problem in my relationship with you if you are unwilling to process forgiveness with other people. Okay? There's step number uh, two on the journey is making it right with other people. Step number three, granting, granting forgiveness to other people. There's one more step that I want to I want to talk to you about this morning. And I've got a question mark over it because it's one of those things that it feels a little bit like how dare I even type it. But I believe that many people will never experience peace with their past until they forgive God. Well, Cliff, are you saying that God has sinned? Nope. No, um, but I think plenty of you have been offended at me at times when I didn't sin. It's still possible to, to be offended when there's no sin that's taken place, right? Yeah. yeah. But as I was talking earlier in the message, it's not just my guilt or the guilt of other people that disrupts my peace, that, that robs me of peace with my past, that, that keeps me from living the life as I look over my shoulder. There have also been some tragedies and, and, and some, some seemingly unexplainable or random kind of hurts that, that came into our lives that, that I can't blame on me and I can't blame on another person. And there is a God who's powerful and there's a God who's knowing and there's a God who lives beyond time and he can rearrange the pieces and he didn't. Jeremy, I was just thinking about your little sister the other day. I still don't get it. I still don't get it. My, my Carissa, that quick just gone. As I'm talking about these things, some of you are picturing uh, loved ones that slipped away. Some of you are thinking about romantic relationships, marriages that fell apart. Some of you are thinking about abuse that you suffered and, and you, you have a problem both with the abuser and with God, justifiably so. As long as we have these Uggs in our heart that we won't talk to him about, that we won't be honest with him about how we feel, they're going to remain lodged in there and they are going to strip us of peace. Hey, listen, friends, there's a lot, 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 more good in your past than there was bad. There were far more good days than bad ones. There really was. But that handful of big uglies from the past 
overpower your memory of all of the good ones. And they will rob you. They conspire to rob you of peace until the day that you take all of them to God and to whatever extent you're angry with with him or hurt by him or disappointed by him until you get to the place that you will just say that to God, those things are going to remain lodged in you like that fish hook that I was talking about earlier. It's got a barb on it. It doesn't just fall out. Those things have to be worked out of the pain centers in your life by being honest with God and saying, you know what? I believe that you are almighty and I believe that you are good and I cannot understand how you can be both of those things and still allow X to have happened in my life. Friends, listen. The God who is all-powerful and the God who is all-knowing is not the least bit threatened by our pain, our sorrow, our disappointment. Neither is he offended by it. When we bring it to him honestly, there is a God who will listen. And I believe there's a God who will also say to us, I'm sorry that I hurt you in these ways. Was God sinfully wrong? No. Was he wrong at all? No. He's the master of the universe, and and this world isn't working at all like he wanted it to. But just as he has allowed you to make decisions about every deci- everything that you've done in the, in the past, every word that you've said, every attitude that you've fostered, every, every uh, accusation that you've made against another person, every bitterness that you have savored, the God who allows you to do that also allows other people to make decisions. And the pileup of all those things in this universe are some of the random tragedies and some of the horrific abuses that have come our way. This world isn't working like God wants it to. So understand that when you go to him and say, this is a grand disappointment to me. I've had anger, I've had sorrow, I've had bitterness over it. There is a God who will say, yeah, some of that stuff makes me angry and sad too. And he will stand there in the puddle of your tears with you and mourn the ugly hurts that have maligned your path. But when you bring those things out into the light, you and God can look at them together and you can be reconciled to God who also reconciles to you. Friends, I feel compelled to tell you today that you've got to take every single Step on this, on this path or you are not going to experience peace with your past. You can't do the two easier ones and skip the, however many there were, the two others. You can't go part of the way there. If you go part of the way there, you're not at the end of the journey at peace with your past. Those old wounds in your life, you'll never experience healing until you grant forgiveness to the people who wounded you. You're never, going to expend, you're never going to experience the healing of your own conscience until you confess your sins to God. And the sting of the tragedies of the past is probably going to be real close to overwhelming and overpowering to you until the day that you bring that thing out into the light of conversation with God and say, can we both 
agree to not enjoy this? I have sinned. And every time that I've hidden that from God or lied to myself or other people about it, it's made me have a sore spot in my past. The problem is I drag, I drag every one of those into my present. There have been some people who've done horrible things to me in my life. And every day that I suck on that a little bit more and drink its delicious bitterness, I ruin another day of my life. And every day that I avoid God because I don't get him, I lose the opportunity to experience his peace, his healing, his love. But every day that I make a feeble attempt, God, please, I can't even list all the wrong things that I've done. Can you, can you just wipe the slate clean and forgive me? Will you please forgive me? As, as I feebly pray those prayers, I will begin to experience a, a sense of peace with my past, no longer haunted by, by, the, by the guilt and the shame of the past. Every time that I make these halting attempts to apologize to other people and to try to make it right, and even, even if they don't receive me and even if they stay angry, the, the fact that I have taken one more step that direction, hand in hand with God and, and in an attempt to honor Him, I will experience a growing sense of peace. Every day that I'm honest with God about how I don't understand him, but I still choose to trust him, I will find that my heart grows young and healthy and holy and happy again. I don't know which of these steps you've already taken. I don't know which of them um, you've tripped and, tripped and fallen over. And I know this much, there's a God who's willing to go and walk this journey with you today. Maybe you need to start back at the trailhead of just admitting you're, you're caught in some of that mm, from the past. Admit it. God's not, not going to look down on you for it. He already knows. Why don't you ask him to take the journey with you and, and, and ask him to forgive you for the things that you've done that you know are wrong. He always answers, yeah, I'll forgive you because spiritual principle number one, say it with me, God is not a jerk. If you ask him forgiveness, he'll say yes. Ask him to help you make it right with people. That's hard, but it's rewarding. Ask him to help you forgive people who've wounded you. Listen, I know people who've held on to bitterness 30, 40 years, and the day, the day that they mention it to God, that they own up to it and they ask for his help, he pries their fingers loose from it. And for the first time in a long time, they're able to shake it out and relax and feel his peace, the ah life. And if you got a problem with God, just tell him. He'll have the conversation with you. And in the end, he'll say, come here. We'll be good, you and me. He's not a jerk. He's a loving father. Why don't you just pray the prayer that you need to pray today, okay? Whatever leg of that journey you're on, whichever leg of it you're struggling with right now, why don't you just, just pray that prayer? You can remain in your seats. Ron's gonna play some music. Um, if you'd like to come and kneel at the altar, I'm going to. There's something I wanna talk to him about today.
If you'd like to kneel at the altar, you can come and pray here too. You can, it, it's not magic. He'll meet you where you are. And in just about two or three minutes, I'll then, I'll then pray a prayer aloud. And to the extent that you've walked any of this journey today, you'll experience more of his peace with your past. So this song that Ron's playing is an old song that I sang a lot when I was a kid in a church like this one. It talks about victory over our past, the sin in our past, the hurts in our past. It talks about a healing that can come. Lord, I've got all these friends here today, some of them experiencing full well peace with their past. They've given all of it to you. I thank you for that victory in you, Lord Jesus, that they're experiencing. But there are some today who are still sitting under a load guilt and shame of pain and anger and resentment and confusion about how you can be good and still let horrible things happen in this world. For all the strugglers today, Lord, I ask your help. And I ask that you would minister your peace to them. For those who prayed prayers for forgiveness today, Lord, I want to pronounce in your name absolution, forgiveness, and cleansing. They are forgiven and purified in your sight. Praise your holy name. For those, Lord, who need to go and make things right with others, and, and, and they know it, and you've whispered the name to them, and they've got all the uh in their hearts, I pray that you'd give them the courage and a clear sense that you are going before them to soften the heart of the other person to receive them, because I believe you are. For all the folks who need to let go of wounds that others have, have laid on them today, Lord, I pronounce healing in your name because it begins today as they grant forgiveness. And Lord, just help us we're probably always going to wrestle with you. But when you renamed your people Israel, you named them that, the people who wrestle with God. Seems like you kind of like it. So as people, your people, continue to wrestle with you, making our way through this painful world, I ask for your peace to be upon them. I ask it all in the name of Jesus, believing. Amen. Hey, friends, uh, know this, that as you walk this journey, sometimes the peace comes just a little morsel at a time, but sometimes there are breakthroughs. And if you are up against one of these that feels like a stronghold in your life and you don't know how to break through it, I'm telling you, there's a peace breakthrough on the other side, and you have pastors who would be delighted to listen to you and pray with you and help you pray through the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Through, pray you across the threshold on that issue so you can have the breakthrough on the other side. If you need us, don't hesitate to come find us. Grace and peace to you today. Listen, grace and peace to you today for all of your tomorrows and all of your yesterdays. It's possible in Christ. Amen. <laughs>